As missionaries, we are always looking for doors through which we can share the gospel. Most of these doors require us to first meet a physical need before we can gain an audience with the people's hearts. The only reason we can say yes to these needs is because you said yes first. Without you saying yes, we are left without a voice. Some of the doors you have allowed us to walk through was when we supplied water to area villages when their water tables dropped in North Ghana. Because we build cement blocks, we have a large poly tank on the front of our property that we fill with water a couple of times a week using trucks from area lakes. We started giving the women in surrounding villages water to meet their needs and this opened their hearts to us and to our message. They now invite us to go into their villages and to show movies and do storytelling. We were also asked to assist a lady whose brother died leaving her to raise seven children. She and her husband built this small building for them to sleep on the floor, but during rainy season the snakes were also looking for a dry place to sleep. We were able to provide the family with bunk beds and mattresses for all the children. This lady then invited us to show our movies in her compound and invited her neighbors to join us. We started hosting kids clubs in area villages and discovered a village called John Faro that is so far away that there was no schooling available for their children or children from any of the surrounding villages. We met with the parents of John Faro and they offered to build a house for a teacher if we would supply them with one. After a short time, the village offered us a building and some desks to hold the school in. Things were going well until this past rainy season when the sides of the school collapsed due to heavy rains. The chief of the village gave us land to construct a new school with dorms. The dorms are so that the children that walk miles to the school every day can now sleep over during weeknights. The John Faro School is now being constructed with cement blocks. We are now in the process of constructing a girls' vocational school on our campus that will provide skills training for extremely poor girls living in our area. We now need women from America to come over and to share their skills with these young ladies. We were recently approached by a chief that explained that the babies in his village were dying at a very early age due to unsanitary conditions. He took us over to see the birthing center where the moms were having their babies. He then asked if we would please upgrade his birthing center. He said that if we would help him, he would give us land in the village to build a Christian school. When completed, this school will be the only Christian presence in the whole village and with the chief's blessings. Again, we want to just say thank you for saying yes, which allows us to continue to say yes. May God richly bless each and every one of you. So that'll give you an idea of uh, some of the places we've been and what we've been doing with uh, the funds that you guys have been sending. You know, sometimes people say, well, I give my money to missions, but uh, from our perspective, money represents labor. And so we see it that you're laboring every bit as much as we are to birth souls into the kingdom. We just each play a different role. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I'm real quick to tell people I'm just the delivery boy. Okay, that's all we are. We're your hands and feet, and we just want to say thank you because, like I said in the video, unless you say yes first, we don't get to say yes. And I rarely have to say no when opportunity comes before us. You can go to the next picture. 
Now, uh, this is the girls' vocational school I showed you in the video. We have finished it. We've, had, uh, we've got uh, 12 girls in there right now. We can house up to 14. Um, we only take extremely poor girls. If they could afford to pay, they can't come. And um, these girls, unless somebody gives them an opportunity, and I mean a radical opportunity, uh, they will typically get pregnant at about 13 years old. They get trapped in a cycle of poverty that they just cannot escape. And so we take these young girls at those ages. And uh, like I went into a village one time, I had a father approach me and asked me to marry two of his daughters. And one was 11 and one was 15. And I asked him, why would you give your daughters to me? You don't even know me. And he said, any man that comes in the village and wants my daughters, I have to give them out because I can't afford to feed them. So um, again, we're privileged to be able to take these young girls in. I, you can go to the next slide. Um, you can see the girls across the top. When they first come to us, I mean, honestly, it's very hopeless. They, uh, they are mostly uh, orphans. They have been uh, left with an aunt and an uncle that don't want them, can't afford them. And they're Muslims, so uh, women are not highly respected in that society anyway. So uh, when we take them in, it's not a lot of smiles, but you can see what's happened in their lives. Uh, we've engaged them now, and uh, they've, they've taken different courses. Right now, they're baking bread, and I'm concerned about how much they're intaking. <laughs> uh, I've, I've talked to the manager of our school and said, look, uh, I really need you to watch that because uh, they're not used to eating that kind of rich food that often, okay? So anyway, we're watching that, and they've learned to sew. All the dresses that you see them on the bottom, they sewed their own dresses now. And they're becoming very good seamstress. We've got hired another lady that came in and she's teaching them, again, how to sew, but also how to do design work. So they're really learning how to sew well. You can go to the next one. Uh, again, these are some of their clothes. Now, one of the things that uh, we've done, again, our goal is to try to expose them to as many different skill sets as we can. We've had them driving tractors, which you, I've never seen a woman drive a tractor in Africa. I know here in America, it's pretty common. If you live on a farm, you're going to drive a tractor. But uh, there, it's not normal. And uh, we've cut steel with them. We've showed them how to do welding. They put that welding hood on and burn some rods, and they will probably never do it again. But at least they can say, I've done that. I know how that's done. And um, again, uh, they've done soap making. They've learned uh, bead work, all kinds of stuff. And we're not finished with them yet. We'll be doing hair stuff. And we're trying to see exactly now how to place them. But our goal is to give them skills that they can either start their own business or they can go to work and make a decent income and hopefully even help the family, okay? So that's, that's our goal with these young ladies. And uh, Sue hosted a uh, tea party with the girls the last time we were over there. And um, we sat around a table and, uh, and got the, a chance to hear their stories. And a lot, of, a lot of tears, a lot of tissues being used. And what we found out is that most of these girls did not go to that uncle or aunt's home alone. They were one of maybe four or five children that got transported to this new aunt and uncle. And uh, we plucked one child out of that mix. And, and, and we radically are changing that one child's life, but it's heartbreaking to know we left four or five others in that setting. So anyway, we've been praying about what to do about that and not sure exactly what we're going to do about it. But uh, anyway, um, that's, that's where it with the girls' school. You can go to the next one. 
uh, one of the things we did is we, we were able to find some uh, old ovens and again, Sammy taught them how to clean the ovens up, paint the ovens, and now they're able to bake bread in those ovens. You can go to the next one. Uh, and they bake a lot of bread. <laughs> it's good I'm not over there, right? See? Yeah, you can go to the next one. Uh, the uh, school that you saw uh, in the video that the rain came and knocked down the side of the school. What happened is that when uh, you saw the video of us taking our car and going through that, that uh, road, the road is horrible during rainy season, but anyway, uh, we got out to this village. It's very remote, and uh, no one. we were wanting to do a kids' club. Now, we do, we do a kids' club for about 400 children a week. Okay, and that's one, that's one of the things Sue does is that she's designed the curriculum that they teach in these kids' clubs. And we went out to this village, and um, nobody could speak English, so we thought the only way we can minister to these children is to start a school and teach them English. So the last time we were out there, you can go to the next one. Uh, this is inside the school now. You can see that we upgraded the desk. They got a nice building, and we're actually putting uh, a ceiling in that building that, that was done this week. But um, anyway, we're teaching them English, and we were there, and they were singing all these songs in English, which was pretty cool, because that's how we learned as kids, right? You, you learn singing these nursery rhymes. Well, they're singing Bible songs, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, brother, you asked me, Arthur, you asked me, is there a particular need we have? I totally forgot. Uh, we we pay a teacher to ride a motorcycle an hour each way to go out and teach at this school. So there's a piece of property right next to the school, and I think we're going to be able to get it for practically nothing. But then we're going to build a, we're going to build a proper house there. The, the, the parents of these kids built us a house, but it didn't last long because it was just mud. Okay, we'll go back out and build it with concrete blocks and build a proper house. So that is a need that we have right now. You can go to the next one. Uh, this is a church that was in our town. Uh, I had a team that came over that wanted to do a praise and worship sem uh, seminar for all the churches in our, in our town. And uh, so we went to this church and asked them if we could use their building. And I told them, if you'll let us use your building, we will put ceiling fans in it for you. So they jumped at the opportunity and said, yes, you can use our building. Uh, but uh, when we started trying to do anything in the building, it's just started collapsing on us. Had big old cracks in it and stuff. Well, we come to find out this building was built 70 years ago, and it was nothing but mud blocks. There was no steel. There was no concrete, nothing. So, again, it was going to collapse on us. So the only way that we could fix it was we went four feet on both sides from the building and then six feet on each end. We, we dug a trench. We poured footing okay, concrete footing, and then we came up with, with walls. And once we got the walls up to a certain height, then we imploded the old church and brought it out through the front door. And then we were able to put a roof on the, uh, the new church. And so you can go to the next, then that's, that's what the church looks like now. And uh, I was sharing with the earlier service, we put a, a speaker on the other end of this uh, building here. And uh, you understand this, we work with the largest Muslim tribe in Ghana, West Africa. And so every morning we, you know, you hear the mosque going off with their call to prayer. And uh, so we started playing the book of John <laughs> on this big speaker as they're walking through the village, right? And it was funny because the, the speaker went out and, or the player went out one time and we had several Muslims come to the church and complain because they weren't getting to li listen to the book of John while they were walking, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, praise God. You know, you use every opportunity. That's what God says. Don't miss opportunity. Okay. You can go to the next one. <clears throat> oh, that was okay. Uh, back up one more. Okay. Before I go to the next slide, does anybody have a question or anything I can answer about what we're doing? I want to go into a different topic, but any questions about our ministry or go? How does it get transmitted? Well, uh, no, yeah, the, there is a large, um, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, generator on the Volta River, okay, uh, and they generate electricity there, and they, and it's all over the country. For us to get electricity, I think we bought maybe ten or eleven poles, and then I had to buy the large spools of uh, wire, and we had to hook it on the, the bumper of our truck and stretch it, you know. And I was sharing earlier with a friend that uh, we've now had about five or six people tapped into our line. <laughs> but we paid to get that electricity run there. But we do have electricity. It, you know, it's funny because when they want to go up on the rates, they start turning the electricity off 12 hours a day. It's off, off 12 on 12, off 12 on 12. And, uh, and so then when they raise the rates, nobody belly aches because then they'll, turn, they'll have it on full time, you know. So... Uh, but we do have a, a, a large generator on our place, fortunately, and uh, we're able, to, because we have teams come, uh, we, we, uh, our, our station, our campus is about uh, maybe three hours south of Burkina Faso. And in Burkina Faso is where the Muslims were going into the churches and killing a lot of people. So uh, one of the things we had to do is spend a buttload of money to put a uh, eight foot wall all the way around our property with Constantine wire on top of that. And uh, it's funny, I was telling a friend of that, that you know, we live in a place that we got Constantine wire, we got dogs. And he said, we got places like that in America, we call them prisons. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, okay. Okay, uh, any, any, any other questions? Oh, I hope I answered that one okay for you. Anything else? Yes. Uh, I, I don't have one to show you, but yes, we definitely do. You can, you know, I can go on to Google Map and I can pick our house out of it. And uh, we, you know, we try to concentrate within about a 50 mile radius of where we're working. And, uh, and, and inside that 50 mile radius, you're talking hundreds of small villages. And these are people living in grass huts, you know, uh, mud huts with grass roofs. So, yeah, uh, the, you, you can look at a map. You can look and, and find a place. Yes? What is the government in Africa? Okay, well, they, they have the same type of a government we do. They elect a president and they have, uh, uh, I can't remember all their titles, but, uh, but the main thing they have in there is that we don't have is chief, chieftain, chieftainism. Yes. So the. It, yeah, they're governor of, the, of that village. But do they follow the government or do they have Most of the time they follow the government, but they still, they're very strong. Like, for instance, no one buys land. No one owns land over there. We don't own land, 
uh, we're leasing it for 100 years, and it'll go back to the chief. No one ever gets to own property over there. Um, you know, there was a, uh, one of the presidents uh, of Ghana, Nkwame Kuma, uh, was trying to come up with the United States of Africa. Because, you know, the, the, the blessing we have in America is they grow potatoes in Idaho, and if we need them in Texas, they can drive that truck straight down here and drop off potatoes. But over there, they grow something in one country. they got to go through about four or five country boundaries and pay tariffs and duty and all this stuff and then take a chance on losing your vehicle at every stop. So that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, we're so blessed because we can move products around so easily. Yes, Sue? Anyone else? Yes.
No, yeah, we we thought about that, and and um, um, and we could we could easily do that, you know. Now, in fact, uh, they made me a pair of pajamas one time out of flower bags. <laughs> yeah, the whole family. Yeah, so yeah, they could do that. Uh, but you know, one of the things I'm always interested in is, do you have a skill set you could share with them? That's that's what we're, you know. Uh, for instance, I would love to bring someone over that could that could cook uh, Mexican-style food because we have the same ingredients over there. It's just they don't know how to prepare them the same way. And anything you do like that, it would set these girls apart from the other bakers in the country, you know, if they could learn to cook like that. But, yeah, we could we could bring stuff back, and uh, and hopefully they will start manufacturing something that Americans would be willing to, to buy. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the basic food that they eat is called fufu. That's probably the mainstay. It's, uh, it's a plant. Uh, cassava, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I, I, I can go to a job site, like when they were building our house, and I could tell how many workers were there that day because they will fix a big bowl of this foo-foo and pour soup on it. And then when they eat it, they'll grab it like this and they'll bring it back to their mouth. So I could look at how many trails there were coming off of that bowl to see how many workers showed up at work that day. It's crazy. But they eat a lot of other things too, brother. They eat uh, uh, grass cutter. It's it's like a a nutra rat. They love those. And I've helped skin rats out in the villages for the people to eat. So. That answers that? All right, yes.
Okay. No, that, that would be great. We've never done it. That, that would be a, a new thing for us to do, but we'd love to do it. And, you know, if we can't get the, natu- the stuff that we need there, what we would do is you would tell us, here are the supplies the girls will need to do this, and I'm teaching them. And on one of our trips, we would take it over. And then maybe if you could shoot the videos, then we could take the videos with us, or you post them online, we can start showing the videos and have the supplies there. That, that's a great idea, yeah. But, or you can come with us. <laughs> yes. Okay, anyone else? Yes. Yes. You know, um, I, I, as far as the nationals go, we are required to have yellow fever. That's the only one that we have to have in order to enter the country. They recommend you get all these others, and uh, at one time, I think we took some others, but now we basically just take yellow fever to get into the country. Yeah, last 10 years, so I can stand to get a shot every 10 years. I have a good cry, and and I'm over with it. Yeah. Anyone else? I'm sorry, I can't see. Go, Go for it. Yes. Yes. Uh, in fact, the, um, uh, B. Yeah, B. B is correct. Uh, if it's funny, but, yeah. I mean, you'll find them occasionally, but uh, like, there's a man coming to America, and I'll get with the author later. He. We, we, I just bought his airline ticket for him yesterday, but uh, he is a converted Muslim. His father was one of the wealthiest cocoa farmers in Ghana, West Africa. So uh, he was able to put his, all of his children, I think he's one of, what, 26 kids or something like that. And uh, so anyway, he converted to Christianity back in 82. He's coming to America to go into churches and lecture and talk about how to win Muslims to Christ. But yeah, it's, uh, they follow those rules of five wives. And um, in fact, we had a pastor that we, that we dealt with. She was a former, she was an Assembly of God pastor now, but she was a former wife. One of the, and he, I think he got rid of her and replaced her with somebody else and she became a Christian and yeah. So, but yeah, it, it goes on. Anyone else? Well, it happens multiple ways, but the, you know, we never go into a village without permission from the chief. If you do that, you're in trouble. But once you've been given permission from the chief, uh, 
it's rare that anybody's going to haggle you. Uh, I only, I've only had it happen one time, and the guy was completely drunk, and, and he was giving me trouble, and unfortunately, I had a bigger guy with me than him, so it was too great. But it, it, uh, I, was, I went to a village one time called Oshier, and um, uh, the women came out around my car, and um, they, were, they were asking my driver, because over there, you, you hire a driver, because if you kill somebody, they'll throw you and your ministry out of the country. So you always hire a driver. So I had a driver, and, uh, and they were asking him, what's, that, what's the white man doing here? And see, where we work, Christianity is seen as a white man's religion. So that's the reason we're not the front people. Uh, we are so blessed to have nationals that are passionate about the gospel. And so we are, we've not been the front. Sue, Sue does the curriculum for all these... Uh, kids clubs but we, they're doing them in like six different languages and so uh and then i put movies into local languages and so again we are behind the scenes so when COVID hit and we weren't able to go back over our ministry didn't miss a lick you follow me but um to get back to your point uh when i went to oca these women asked what is he doing here and i got out and sang a song with them and they said well uh, why don't you meet with our chief and see if he'd let you come and, and plant a church with us. So I went and met with the chief and the elders, and he asked me, the chief asked me, uh, why do you want to come to our village? And I said, chief, I don't know anyone in your village, but I know four things about everyone in your village. And he said, well, what do you know about my people? I said, every one of them knows there's a God. They know he's good. They know he has laws, and they know they've broken them. And that's why y'all sacrifice to try to appease an angry God. And he said, it's true. I said, and what your people don't know is can they ever get back into a love relationship with this God? And I held up my Bible. I said, this book says they can, and I'd like to come and teach your people how to get back into a relationship with God. And they, the, he and the elders talked for a minute, and they looked at me and said, if we don't let you come, we'll be fighting God. You come. So we ended up planting, <laughs> we planted a church. You know? so, hallelujah.
never had any trouble. Um, really. So, yeah, we do need to keep adding. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes, sir. Well, where, where we were, live, uh, it's a farming community. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I said in the front of the, the video here was uh, the fact that we're always looking for a platform. And I remember when I had an insurance agency in Austin for 23 years, uh, I was always looking for a platform. And that's one of the things I wanted to encourage people is to try to find a platform. And uh, we own a tractor and so we plow people's uh, yards for them or their fields, and that's a, it opens a door for us. And I have a video of the young man that runs our tractor over there for us, and he said, this tractor takes us into places that we could not go because they'll accept that tractor to come in there and plow for them, but it opens the door for us. And that's, all, that's what we look for is we look for open, open doors. Uh, but what, I didn't know what time I was supposed to finish. Are we, am I done? Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I do want to hit one more thing real quick. Let, go to the next slide. Uh, is it still up there with the wagon? There. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I, I got to go through a course. Uh, it's an organization out of northern Germany called Natural Church Development. And they found that they've done like surveys of 4 million churches. And they said that if your church is doing these things, they cannot help but grow. Okay. But one of the things, this was one of the pictures in their organization. And they said, this is a photograph of the normal church globally. That you have a church and they've hired a pastor, associate pastor, pastor and his wife, pastor... Some, some combination, they've hired leaders and said, you make this church grow. You make this church go forward in this community. But look what they're fighting. They're fighting square wheels. That's never been God's plan. But look what's inside the trailer. Okay? God has put everything necessary to grow the local church in the local church. He's given them the gifts. And, you know, sometimes, uh, especially in Africa, when I go into a church... I will ask the question, are there any ministers here this morning? And people will point to the pastor, the associate pastor, you follow me? And they say, uh, you know, and I, and I will bring those people forward and I'll turn them around and look at the congregation. I say, folks, these are not the ministers. God says he put them in the church to equip you to do the work of the ministry. But as long as you see them as the ministers, you will never feel compelled to go out and do the work of the ministry. And see, we've all been given a gift. I, I was, uh, uh, when my mother was alive, we were living in Austin. She was down in Beaumont. And I had to drive through Katy, Texas to get down to her. And there was a uh, Starbucks in Katy. And I'd go in that Starbucks. And every time I went into it, it almost seemed like someone was always reading a Bible at one of the tables. It, it, like it never fails. And so, you know, being the introvert I am. Uh, I would go over and, and I asked him, I said, what are y'all studying? And this one particular time, there was a young couple. They looked to be in their early 20s and uh, they were, had their Bible open. They were reading and he said, well, we're, we're reading the books, of, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. I said, oh, so you're reading the book of Acts? He said, yes. So we talked about it for a moment. And I said, well, where do y'all go to church at? And he said, well, she goes to the Presbyterian church down the road, but I don't go to church anywhere. I said, then why are you reading that book? And this little demon jumped out at me, and he said, I don't see anywhere in there that tells me I have to go to church. 
I said, well, young man, you need to reread the book you're reading right now because the whole idea of church on planet Earth was God's idea. It wasn't man's idea. And it's all about it in the book of Acts. I said, let me explain to you with the dynamic of why you need to go to church. I said, I'm an evangelist. I love sharing Christ with people. But sometimes for me to be effective and to go through a particular door, I need to be able to play the guitar. I said, I don't know jack about playing the guitar. I said, but you, you may be the greatest guitar player on the earth, but you're walking around out here going, me and God are tight. We're tight. I don't need nobody. It's just me and God. I said, so I don't know your skill set and you don't know my skill set. But what God would have us to do is I'll bring my skill set to the local church. You bring your skill set to the local church. We'll learn each other. And next time I need someone to play a guitar to go through a door and lift up Christ, I'll come grab you and say, brother, grab your axe. We're going through this door. You follow me? That's the dynamic of why the local church. Now, one other thing, and I will stop at this. I apologize. I heard a sermon lately. I thought it was fantastic. And it was a pastor, and he said, I want to, I'd like to describe to you, to me, to you, my idea of the perfect church. And he said, imagine that you're having testimonial night, and you, hand, and you take a mic, and you start handing it to the person after person after person. And you hand it to the first person, and the guy says, hi, my name is Mike. Uh, because I'm a born-again believer, I'm a minister, and I love working with wires. So I'm the guy who runs all the wires and cables to keep this program on TV every week. And he hands it next to the next person. He says, hi, my name is Sam. And uh, because I'm a Christian and uh, born again, I am a minister. And I have the gift of goofiness. So I take care of the youth on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and he handed it to the next one and said, hi, my name is, uh, she went, hi, my name is Karen. And I, I am born again, so I'm a minister. And I, I love organizations. So I'm the one who set up this, the program to check children in and out of our, uh, our Christian school. You follow me? The point is, everybody that's a Christian is a minister. And you all, we, every one of us have a gift. And, that, and, and I'll tell you, I think one of the things that puts me off is that I think too many times we think, oh, I, I can't minister because I don't have your gift. I couldn't do, I can't do what, what our brother does over here, what author does. I couldn't come up with a message every week. You follow me? So, so I, I just won't do it. No, 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 no. I've been given a gift. I helped start the Austin Christian Bass Club years ago. And I remember sitting in the boat with another guy. We're floating around. I'm telling him about Jesus. You follow me? That's my gift. I'm just, I'm just operating in my gift. And every one of us have a gift. And it's sad that we would get to the end of our life and not have used our gift. You know, I was sharing earlier that there's a scripture in Revelations. And it said, it talks about that God says, I've done my job. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. And those who drink of me will never thirst again. And then he goes through a list and he said, these people will burn in the lake of fire. And one of them, he said, cowards. Cowards will burn in the lake of fire. And I'm going... God, I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to be. I mean, and when you start looking at statistics of how many people, it's like 80, 85 percent of the people in the church have never shared their faith with another person. I was in a, a, a men's Bible study over in uh, Kentucky years ago, and a 60-year-old man got up and talked about he just got saved. And we were all going, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, a 60-year-old got saved. And, and he got up and gave his testimony, and he said, you know, the thing that's, been, that's shocked me the most is that I've been working in this same office for over 20 years, and I didn't know I was working around so many Christians. I thought, boy, what an indictment. What an indictment, you know? So let's don't let it happen to us. I'm finished. <laughs> God bless y'all. Thank y'all for allowing us to come. Just uh, before we pray, uh, you know, one thing 
Um, when you're dealing with stuff in, in Africa, it it's almost seems overwhelming. It's like trying to empty the sea with a cup, you know, trying to do good. And, and just as you're praying, just keep that in mind that uh, the, the, the hope of the Lord continue to fill their hearts because it can feel so overwhelming at times. Uh, and they are in it. So, um, Danny and Sue, what an honor to pray for you guys. Lord, thank you so much uh, for uh, Velocity Church partnering with these beautiful people for uh, almost 25 years, uh, looking at that photo to see your faithfulness for them to still be standing here. We thank you for keeping them, keeping them on the path, keeping them strong, keeping them full of joy and hope. Thank you for all that they are doing and all you are doing through them, for all the lives that are being impacted. Lord, and I ask you for this next season, Lord, to open wider the gates, to do more than what they have ever even imagined as you have promised us, greater than our imagination. Lord, that you uh, uh, exponentially grow their ability through the connections they make, uh, through the people that you bring into their life, protect them from the Judas. Lord, bless them with the Peter. And uh, uh, Lord, as they meet the chiefs, uh, that there would be uh, uh, miracles, that there would be uh, miraculous transformations of hearts. Uh, and uh, when they come back to tell us uh, more stories, Lord, uh, we thank you that uh, uh, you give them such favor uh, among uh, Muslim leaders and governments Lord, you love Muslims, Lord, and that they would be saved and see the light. Uh, and, and once again, protect them and their family, their leaders, uh, in Jesus' name. And uh, give them everything that they need to do the work that you have called them. In Jesus' name, amen.